Welcome to 52 Minutes with Paul Rudy, an opportunity to learn about people in our area in a unique one-on-one format. Our host is someone who has spent his entire life growing up, attending school, and creating a highly successful business of his own in our local community. Please join us for the next 52 minutes as we settle in for another enlightening visit with today's guest. Here is our host, Paul Rudy. Welcome to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes with Radio Show. A few months ago, I had the pleasure to spend 52 minutes with the mayor of Champaign, Deb Finan. Naturally, I wanted to reach out to the mayor of Urbana, Diane Marlin, to see if she would like to spend 52 minutes with me in an effort to allow members of our community to get to know her better. I think you'll find out that Mayor Marlin shares many of the same characteristics of Mayor Finan. Both are popular mayors, particularly with the business community. Both are optimistic, yet realistic enough to get to the real issues that need to be solved. Both of our Twin City mayors are very caring and put their time and effort where their mouths are. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. Welcome, everybody, to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes With. Today, I have the pleasure of spending 52 minutes with the newly re-elected mayor, Diane Marlin. Diane, thanks for coming in. I'm delighted to be here. We were talking out front a little bit. I said, I really don't know anything about you other than you're the mayor uh, some people in business that have businesses in Ur- Urbana, like Spencer Atkins is a good pal of mine. I remember when that the city took the golf course I wanted to live on. <laughs> we did <laughs> you know, not take the golf uh, course. I understand that. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Um, and so I thought maybe I was going to move back to Urbana at one time, not too long ago. But anyway, well, thank you for agreeing to do the show. Uh, and again, congratulations. It looked like it was a landslide to me. Thank you. And uh, from what I hear from... I'm mainly a business person, so I mean, I, when I, I don't think too much outside of my circle. Um, but when I take the temperature of business people, they seem to be very favorable to you, um, which I think in Urbana is kind of hard sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the um, goals I had coming into office is I, I wanted to change the narrative about Urbana because, you know, perception's reality, whether it's true or not. And I think it really wasn't quite a fair uh, narrative about Urbana, but I wanted to make sure that everyone was welcome and that businesses felt welcome to invest in our city because we need that. We need the jobs, we need economic growth, and we need to grow our tax base in a sustainable way. So so that was one of the uh, the things I set out to do was to just touch base, rebuild relationships, build new relationships, and make sure that people knew we would be certainly open to um, investment and um, discussions about that well no wonder you won in a landslide i mean those are uh they all check the boxes uh, for me so let's go back uh to where you grew up where where did you grow up uh, i grew up in lasalle county on a farm oh, nice. near streeter illinois okay and the area? The, yeah the farm was in our family since about 1847 1848 Good Irish farmers settled there and um our families farmed there and we still own the land and um, does, I, the, does the family farm it or a cousin the, now farms it? Yes. A cousin, so it's I, still yeah. it's in the family. Three younger brothers, none of them decided to go into farming, but a cousin does farm the land. You know, I'm seeing more and more of that, and we'll circle back. But uh, uh, you know, I'm in the retirement planning business, and many of my clients that come to me these days are multi generational, you know, family farm owners, and maybe it's. I can't, you know, I don't have any data to prove. It's all anecdotal, but it seems like more and more often compared to when I got into my business almost 40 years ago, um, 
it seems fewer and fewer children are willing to not willing desire to stay on the family farm and manage it itself. Or Do you have a- any feelings? Or, yeah, or able that? to because um, you have to be much bigger in all ways, I think, today than, than you did when I was growing up. My dad never farmed more than 400 acres. We, there were five kids in the family. So, I mean, he, he, ra- he and my mom raised five kids, and we had a wonderful life. But you can't do that today on 400 acres. You know, you need to be much bigger and much more heavily invested. And, you know, I can't speak for my brothers, but um, we all agree it was a, the best possible way to grow up. But, like I said, nobody... Um, made the decision to, to, to go into farming. Was it a classic when you were growing up? Was it the classic all the kids pitched in? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my first and worst job was walking beans, um, which is, you know, up and down the rows of beans, pulling right. out weeds by hand. And the boys were, um, you know, baling hay. We had we had animals. We had row crops. Um we had a huge garden. Most of our food was grown. You know, I, we, we had local food before right. local food was a fashion. So we raised our own meat, grew our own food, and all of us um, learned in what. I, I think that's where we all got our work ethic. Is is you you had to work hard, and you all worked together. There's no room for sissies on the farm, is there? Well, you you certainly don't sleep past six o'clock in the morning, so. That's funny because, of course, my dad was old schooler, but he was born in 1916 in the summers. I just remember he'd get on and put his wingtips on really early in the morning, even if he was in his underwear. I'm not a pretty sight, <laughs> but he'd put his wingtips on because that's basically our alarm bell. Uh, and he'd always, every day, don't sleep the day away. <laughs> it's just kind of that old school. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, I woke up to the roosters crowing outside my window, and that was pretty early in the morning. And um, you get into the rhythm of... Um, the, the country. And is that more of a, re- at that point, uh, with 400 acres, which sounds like a lot of farmland to me, but I get your point it's now not, with, with it's corporate not. farms yeah. owning tens and hundreds of thousands of acres. Um, is that somewhat of a necess- necessity at, even at that time where, or just, hey, you're my kids, you're going to work? Is, is it a financial uh, necessity for the whole family to make it okay? For all the kids well we all pitched in we also my dad also had a, um, a a guy that he hired to help out as well so um but you know back then all the equipment was smaller too so it took longer to do everything and a lot of it was more um, manual labor than it is now and um but but they i think my parents i know my parents also believed that you just needed to keep kids busy especially those three younger boys you know if you didn't keep them busy they were just getting into trouble so so um my sister and i were perfect of course so well, <laughs> we were the in... older ones too <laughs> so well. so we we were actually trying to wrangle those kids much of the time but but they just believed in um in keeping kids occupied and working and and we had a lot to do so did you sleep better too i bet yeah we did well you don't you live right around the corner for the four of my my four brothers and I lived uh, in the 60s, 70s, and even part of the 80s. And uh, you know, I know what it's like if if you unleash five boys within seven years of age range. Uh, probably the neighborhood wasn't prepared for it back then. But that's another. That's I'll get therapy. You'll someday. always are welcome to move back. We'd we'd be happy to have you back on Home Street in Boudreaux. You might Circle. not want to run for mayor again with that <laughs> campaign. Well, I'm going to let the Rudy boys all come back. It might not win. Uh, so you have three younger brothers and an older sister. Mm-hmm. And where do they live? Are they did they stay 
Illinoisish or there two are uh, three let's see two brothers and a sister are in Illinois um, well my other brother also still has his house in Illinois but he recently um, bought a condo in Florida so he's dividing his time down there my mom is um, actually she's here now in Clark Lindsay we oh, moved okay. her here in December yeah. so she's in great getting great care in Clark Lindsay and she'll be 98 years old in April Wow I remember when they built Clark Lindsay so like I said that was just not too far from my house. Um, I have an affinity for Urbana um, growing up there, and it was interesting when I moved from Champagne, from Urbana to Champaign. I think it was 1989. I always kid people. I climbed the wall. It's as if there's this huge divide between the two communities, and, and there are certain. I don't know how it is today. I, you know, I don't visit back and forth much, but it was interesting when I moved to Champaign and I joined Champaign Country Club. I guess that's what people do, and <laughs> I must admit, there's kind of this, I think, expectation like, well, he's going to be different, isn't he? He's from Urbana. I know that sounds strange, but I could feel it. Well, you know, we, we there's many, many similarities to Champaign because, of course, we're all one community and we share these same major employers like the University of Illinois and Carl Hospital. And um, uh, But we also have... We have our own personality. We're a much smaller community. We're half the size. And, and boy, I tell you, after the last few years serving as mayor, I swear everybody knows everybody. So, so there are no strangers in Urbana. But we have our own personality, and, and people are proud of that. And um, we serve as the county seat, which I think is also a great, um, you know, that's a real uh, honor for the city yeah. of Urbana to serve as the county seat. So you grew up in LaSalle County, mm-hmm. farm girl. Can I say that? Yes, you a can. Farm person, maybe, maybe that's better. Um, and then t- you went to, through grade school, high school, all through K through twelve in that sure, area. Sure, public schools in Streeter, and then um, back when I was growing up, you know, my parents did not go to college, so my siblings and I were the first generation in our particular family unit, and and. Um, Back then, we didn't apply to a dozen colleges. It right. was like either you go to the IVCC, the community college, or, oh, University of Illinois. There was You didn't really think about anything else. So I applied to the U of I and got in and um, came here as a freshman and just discovered. I'm one of those kids who came and stayed because I discovered my my friends and my future husband, and really I discovered the community outside the campus. Was there... I have a similar situation. Uh, both of my, neither of my parents went to college. Um, frankly, I look back. I sus- I suspect they finished high school, but who knows when your dad's born in 1916? But uh, was there an expectation, an automatic expectation built? In? There wasn't in my family. They never even talked about going to college, which I, I look back now and I think is kind of weird. But yet I get it, uh, just from the Depression era thinking. How was that? For you, was there an expectation built in? My mom had an expectation, although she didn't have the first idea how you actually did it right. or the whole process. My dad didn't say much about it. Um, he, uh, you know, he grew up and he what he saw was one generation after the next going into farming and and um, young women getting married and staying home and raising children, and that was that. So, so, um, but mom, mom wanted us to go to college so I ended up coming to the U of I my sister went to Illinois State University one brother did go to community college and the two younger brothers came to Illinois as well so my youngest is a nuclear and brother's a nuclear engineer second youngest is in um, marketing and um, 
and the brother, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I think the brother who who uh, went to the community college ended up making more money than all the rest of us, but that's okay. He's well, a hard worker. He's a hard worker. Yeah, and sometimes that pays off. It or, paid or, off. Or I like yep. to think most of the time it does, but yeah. you know, there's a certain randomness to life, but it's, it's always fun. It's always fun to cheer for the underdog. I went to Parkland for two years myself. Yep. It's uh, and then down to Eastern Illinois. I yeah. taught at Parkland for many years, so it's, oh. I, I'm a huge fan of community college. Yeah, it worked out well for, as I yeah. said, there was, just wasn't that built-in expectation for my brothers and I. And the fact that a few of us ended up going to college uh, worked out well. And I think, if not for Parkland, that probably that probably wouldn't have happened. So are you? Cl- would you say you're close to your siblings? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, how often do you, would you guys say, how many times a year... Would you say all five of you are able to get together? Pre-COVID. Um, Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Normal for, world. Yeah. Holidays, we'd get together in the summertime, you know, you know, just for potluck or barbecue. Um, and uh, they'd come down once in a while for games. So, you know, quite sure. often. And, oh, and that's that's, nice. the, that's what's been hard about, uh, for, and as for everybody, is just the past years. We haven't seen each other in person since um, a year ago Christmas. I've barely been able to see my mom in person other than to yeah. take her to the doctor a couple of times because she's in um, skilled care. So it's been horrible. But, yeah, we're very close. And you went, to, you attended the U of I and graduated from there, and you met your husband there. Mm-hmm. Love at first sight, or tell me about that story. Oh. <laughs> uh, if there, if it's. I met my husband on a picket line. Well, you know what? No wonder you ended up in Urbana. In Allerton <laughs> Park. No, it was in I'm Allerton Park. And I had joined Students for Environmental Concerns because I had heard about the plan to build a dam on the Sangamon River, which yeah. would have flooded Allerton Park. It was an Army Corps of Engineer product, project. So I signed up to, uh, they were doing a picket line around the perimeter of the park. And my husband, John, who's four years older than I am, was working with um, Professor Bruce Hannon oh, and sure. Jack Paxton and Bob Bales and oh, yeah. Clark Bullard. And and I uh, I met him on a picket line and um, volunteered with the committee on Allerton Park and and um, eventually, you know, ended up, ended up married. And we've been married now <clears throat> since 1976. Wow. Long time. It is a long um, time. And you have children? I have two children. Okay, tell me about that. My daughter, Kate, is older, and um, she lives here in Champaign. She's a producer at Volition. Oh. So she's a video game producer, and um, she has two children. I have an eight-year-old grandson and a five-year-old grandson. How nice. Which is my the best job in the world ever. I would agree. And then my son, John, is... Um, a city arborist for Alexandria, Virginia, and he lives in uh, he lives in D.C., wow. but works in Virginia. Nice, um, close family. Yep. Not, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that it is. But again, we haven't seen Johnny since since a year ago, Christmas. You know, he hasn't been able to come back just because of COVID. So, so, so I'm looking forward. How about your grandchildren? Are you able to? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, that yeah. that ended in about two days with my daughter <laughs> and her two little ones. We've been well. We stay masked. We've been distanced. Um, we're getting a little. I've now had my second vaccine, so we're you know we're feeling better. Feeling better, and I could not get through the past year if I hadn't been able to get those to be with the boys. I mean, they're they're they kept us grounded and they kept me sane and they really just bring such joy that I I I could not have gotten through the last year. 
And did your children go to the local public schools or? Absolutely. Yep. We started out in co-op nursery school. And I always joke, I say that's where I got basic training because, you know, that was a parent run school and you worked and you ran the school. And anyway, so they went to co-op nursery school and Leal school as their grade school and then Urbana middle school and high school. Yeah. Went through the same program except for Yankee Ridge. Okay. I think back then it was Urbana junior high. Yeah. It's a distinction. Um, and then what did they, where'd they go from there? My daughter uh, got a wonderful scholarship to Millican University, so she majored in commercial music and mu- music business, and then my son went to the U of I. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Don't you have any dumb kids? <laughs> <laughs> I always like to think people have one. <laughs> anyway. Um, I only so, had two, so, you know. I understand. <laughs> Should have had more. And so you stayed in Urbana since college? Yeah, yeah. In fact... I I have lived in Urbana my entire time here because I started out in Lincoln Avenue Residence Hall and you know on my on the weekends and stuff I just ride my bike around West Urbana and fell in love with West Urbana so every place I've lived in Champaign Urbana has been in Urbana so interesting traveled traveled a lot but you know love we always it. come back to Urbana we'll have to talk about that travel when we come back I have fifty two minutes with uh, Mayor Diane Marlin and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes to pick up back on our conversation. Welcome back to 52 Minutes. Today I have 52 Minutes with Mayor Diane Marlin. Thanks again for coming in today. I've enjoyed the first part of our conversation, uh, certainly. So we we had kind of got a timeline from your childhood on to college, met your husband, uh, two children, two lovely children, smart children, I take it. And you've lived in Urbana since. Uh, you living in the same house? Just as an aside, you told me where you live. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I followed the... the uh, the, the progression that a lot of people do, you start out as a student in a dorm, then you get an apartment, and, and you know, I lived in some places that were, wow, you know, the snow came in under the doors. I lived sure. in places I could afford near campus, so. Okay. And then um, we were married in 1976. We actually ended up buying the duplex that um, my husband was living in, John was living in, because we could, it was cheaper to buy the duplex, pay the mortgage of $252 a month. What street? Western Avenue near okay. Busey. So we lived on one side, rented out the other, which covered the mortgage. And Mr. Shaw was our landlord, and he financed uh, he financed it for us and got us started. And it cost us thirty six thousand dollars back in nineteen seventy seven when we bought it. Wow. And we just sold that duplex a year ago. But anyway, um, and then we eventually bought a house, a little house on Nevada Street. And moved next door into a bigger house, but way worse condition. And then spent 27 years working on that house, oh, wow. That's what you do. <laughs> remodeling it, and eventually moved to South Urbana, around the corner from your old house yes. in 2004. So lived in all sorts of um, different types of housing, and we, for a, a stretch of about 20 years, uh, we joined with another couple and actually uh, were in the. rental property business so we had about 27 rental units near campus so we owned and managed it was owner um it was you know family owned and managed which was another enormous amount of work but yeah real estate uh, it can be quite rewarding financially speaking i've always said if you look around town and you look at some of the wealthiest families their real estate somehow they're tied into Mm -hmm. real estate but real estate talks back well, that's, it does. That's, that's one of the downsides to it. And when you're 
and I just got after 20 years, I was just tired of cleaning toilets. So. Sure, and I don't, I don't think people you, know, you think well, we just hire people to do that. But no, if you're going to you do don't. it properly, yeah, uh, in a way that your tenants probably appreciate. I'm, I'm sure your model was. I'm sure your tenants liked you. We were hands-on. We responded to complaints. We, um, yeah, we were really good landlords. Is that a tough? And then we'll move on. But is that just a naturally? Was much of it students? I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you yes. mostly students? Mostly students because of where they were. Is that, is that a particularly challenging section? Oh, sector I loved. I loved. Um, I loved renting to students because you know they were here for the year. They were dependable source of income, um, and and it worked out well for us. Yeah. Um, how, what percentage over time would you say were problematic? Like what ones that were really <laughs> aggravating and a real problem? Oh, maybe maybe ten percent, okay. and and not problematic in a. It, it was problematic because you're dealing with young young kids. You know, sometimes the, this was the first place they had ever rented, so you're dealing with nineteen year old kids right. who aren't used to living on their own. So, so you know, you you show up and there'd be, um, well, you had some of them. We had to show how to change light bulbs and do some basic things. Um, one time when they broke a the the bowl over the ceiling light they decided to just nail a tupperware bowl over the light bowls to this light yeah, bulbs nice. to the ceiling and then that melted, melted. and yeah. we had a couple fires that were started in interesting ways small but no tragedies no tragedies no yeah. so for the most part they were just just it worked out well and and i think a lot of it was because we were there a lot, and we were working there on the weekends, and they saw us pulling weeds and and fixing things, and they knew that we were keeping an eye on the place and that we cared about our properties. Develops a little more respect, maybe, from yeah, the tenant. Yeah, and they were more willing to call us when there was an issue. So, career path, um, your first job out of college? I, um, God, what did I do? <laughs> well, or, or at least the first you can remember. Um, I worked, actually, I uh, I graduated with a degree in human development and family studies, took a year off. I worked, actually continued to work in the environmental field with um, the Coalition on American Rivers. Is that just something you just innate in you or just you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's still one of my very strong interests is, is environmental um, issues. And then I went back to grad school in human nutrition, got a master's, and um, then worked, taught at Parkland College part-time and still managed our rental property. And that's when then our children were born, too. And, and how long did you stay at Parkland? I taught there about 14 years. And then I um, uh, took a job at the University of Illinois with the Family Resiliency Program. And how long did you do that? About 10 years. Okay. And then I ran for Urbana City Council. Um, because I had gotten involved in some neighbor in the neighborhood. Well, I co-founded a neighborhood organization in Southeast Urbana, and that was really my first um, sustained contact with city government. And and I really came to become to appreciate the role of local government impacting our lives. And one thing led to another. The spot for Ward Seven City Council opened up, and I was encouraged to run for that. And I was elected to the council in 2009 for the first time. I'm curious why you chose Urbana versus Champaign. Not that I'm offended or anything. I'm just this the nat just natural curiosity. You know, I think it's because where I started out as a as a 18 year old. You know, I started out like I said in on Lincoln Avenue residence halls, and I was just always that's where I 
um, I grew up in in that community, so it never even occurred to me. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> it's that strange t- when I think about it? But that's the way I, it is. Look, I went to my forty year high school reunion a few years yeah. ago, and everybody was asking me why Why didn't you leave? I said I didn't know you could. I never <laughs> thought of it. So I get that I, I hadn't really thought of it. Do you think back then, did you have a, a, an impression that the city of Champaign and the people were different than Urbana? Do you feel like it was a different type of community? No, not really, because like I said, with um, the, the I think the key to me actually staying here, because when I came to school here, I thought, oh, I'll be here for four years and I'm going to go to California like everybody else. But through the course of my involvement with the um, environmental community and students for environmental concerns and then households involved in pollution solutions and then the committee on Allerton Park, I met people, you know, I got off of campus and it's really easy as a student to just stay within the boundaries of campus and never really get integrated into the community. But I had the great fortune to really meet a lot of people from Champaign and Urbana and that's where I learned um, really more about both communities and it's just a great place it just felt like home stop probably sound like a dumb question since you're the mayor but are you naturally outgoing i i i guess i am yeah (laughs) i like people i'm shy i i was very very shy as a kid and um i guess sometimes i still am but I like people, and I like learning about people, and um, I like helping people if I can. I'm told I was very shy as a child. <laughs> if I told my friends that, or people that know me, they they would think, okay, you're you're drinking or something. But I, I think I was, but I, I seem to have grown out of that. I guess I'm doing a radio show. Maybe I'm not too shy. Um, Okay, and so from then you went from that career. Is that then? So then you went to Ward Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a council person, person. Yes. I'm learning. I'm Alder learning. person, council Alder person. person. Yes. Trying to be careful these days. Uh, how? And then you ran for mayor after that. And what was the year? Of- I well, I served on the Urbana City Council for eight years and um, learned an enormous amount during that um, time. I always, if there was an opportunity to you know ride along on a snowplow or you know visit the the uh, water treatment plant or something like that I always did it and I tried to learn as much about the city and how it functioned as possible and along the way I just also developed some opinions about how we could be doing things better particularly related to managing the financial end of the 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 things and also I was very concerned about you mentioned the the narrative about Urbana right. and the perception about Urbana and I was very concerned about what people were saying about the city because I knew it wasn't true and I and I wanted to correct the narrative and it was also related to our property tax um, you know dispute with Carl Hospital and I wanted to get away from that and focus on the positive about the city because there was so much that we weren't saying or telling about our city yeah I feel I've you know as a outsider looking in but it's hard to even call myself that because like you said they're really it's one community but uh, well, I can tell you years ago I mean I talked to people from Champaign and it was like oh yeah all you guys want to do is save the whales and have an anti-nuclear zone as if that was it and Paul how come you're not wearing Birkenstocks it was literally that <laughs> cliche is what people thought um, but it it does seem that that you know, you mentioned the Carl thing. That 
and and maybe you don't want to belabor that but when i when i saw that happening and that take on i thought that is tip here's how what i was thinking and i'm probably wrong and i'm not so i'm not going to suggest that i'm right but if but if my subconscious was saying there goes urbana again messing with one of their biggest if not their biggest employer outside of the university of illinois just made, and i'm not criticizing it yeah. it was just fulfilled for a while i'm like oh that's what's wrong with urbana well, it, it's it's too bad because, uh, I mean, it was a devastating blow to Urbana. My property taxes went up 10% in one year when they went off the tax rolls. So financially, it was devastating to people. And it took about 10% of our EAV off the tax base. EAV so, is? Equalized assessed valuation. So um, it was a lousy I, I will say that 2012 law that did that, the statute, was lousy in that they didn't consider the impact on a city like ours. Um, so, do you think most people could agree with that? It's probably bad policy it's to pass policy. the law, but they could have passed a law if they wanted to do that. They could have um, phased it in so that we had the city had a chance to adjust to it. They could have capped how much sense. of the EAV was taken off, but no city was hit harder than Urbana because we're a little bitty city with two regional medical centers. And um, another fun fact: about twenty eight percent of our tax base, 20% of our geographic area is exempt from property taxes. So that means the remaining property owners shoulder the burden. We have the U of I, we have the hospitals, we have the county government, which is all tax exempt. We have, um, and then you add in your schools and parks and all that. So nearly nearly two-thirds of our land area is, or, or nearly one-third of the land area is exempt from taxes. And that's why the removal of the hospitals was kind of the last straw. However, the the narrative, the approach, um, there's different ways we could have, should have approached that whole thing, and um, we're still we're still in litigation. You oh, know, right? years later, and a year ago, just about a year ago, we ended up the city ended up paying back two and a half million dollars in disputed property taxes. Do you think that's why the the new campus, I call it a campus, Carl at the Fields, uh, ended up in Champaign versus Urbana? Well, I don't, I won't speculate on okay. well, the I reasons guess, behind that, that but, probably not a fair but I appreciate, I've made a uh, concerted effort to restore a working relationship with Carl Hospital, with Dr. Leonard. I appreciate his, his openness and we've had several, we've had good conversations. Um, in fact, Carl was, um, provided the matching grant for the study for extending the Kickapoo Rail Trail into and through Urbana, which I'm grateful. And I truly believe we can come to a reasonable um, resolution of this dispute. I think it's, you know, we need to. So. I, I think you will. I mean, we will. I think you have the right COVID is just COVID has just halted all conversations for the moment, but I think we can come to a reasonable resolution is, and that's fair to both sides. It's halted it because... Uh, there's too many other things oh, yeah. for for everybody I mean, involved. They have yeah. bigger fish to fry, so to speak. Well, I mean, ever since the pandemic began, we've just been buried, you know, as a city, just trying to respond and stay. Well, we're never one step ahead, but we don't want to be more than one step behind in responding. And the same thing with the healthcare systems. So it's it's it's. I have no words to describe this past year, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, think about being a mayor during COVID, and you realize. I mean, you're you're get. I was going to say you get arrow shot at you from all areas, but I don't think that's the right way. Well, to that's put it. that's about right. I guess it could. You're certainly a target. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and how do you deal with that? I mean, it's almost a volunteer. It's not a volunteer job. It's a paid job, but 
it you're not doing it for the money no i'm not and it's hard it's been the hardest year of my life and Do you I ever think take it personally it's, it's hard not to sometimes but um you've got to you've got to try not to because otherwise you wouldn't be able to go from one day to the next but it's it's hard not to sometimes when when people not everybody's are. rational in their attack i take it just human nature no and and we're all under a lot of stress and um there's so much uncertainty and people are dealing with grief and loss and financial you know it's just been incredibly hard on people so so the sooner we get through this and into the next um post pandemic world the better and we're trying very hard yeah that's my sense of it uh i you know it's easy to criticize i do it you know i'm just w- welcome to the human race but it's easy for me to criticize politicians and policy some of them i think rightfully so of course then my wife thinks i think i know everything she calls me google i have an answer for everything <laughs> and uh <laughs> But as I sit here and think about what what it is you and, and Mayor Fine and have to deal with as mayors, um, are you guys are you guys fairly close? Oh yes, at least, yes. Uh, personally I, I, or more both. mayorly? Mayorly, personally, um, I can't imagine um, getting through the past year without having you know Deb Fine and by my side, and and I'm there for her. She's there for me, and much of what we do. We have to coordinate together because as we've responded to this pandemic really as one community, as one county, and that's that's the, um, that's the you know, I, I, every opportunity I get, I highlight the unprecedented level of collaboration among our government partners and um, all the institutions. And like I said, if you have to have a be in a pandemic, there's no better place than right here in Champaign-Urbana. That's pretty powerful. And it's uh, the truth. It, uh, I believe you. I do. This because the way you say it, I believe you. We're going to take a break now for a couple of minutes. I have 52 minutes with Mayor Diane Marlin, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Paul Rudy's 52 minutes. Today I have 52 minutes with Mayor Diane Marlin. Um, so far it's been an, you know, I feel like I'm getting to know you a little bit better. I'm going to zone in probably a little more on now of, you know, the, the mayorhood, the politics and mayorhood. It it intrigues me. And I was telling you off air that I've always, I've actually thought about running for mayor and I don't know why maybe everybody does in their, in some, sometime in their life. Um, but as I mentioned to you, I'm probably, my personality probably isn't set for that and I have a business to run and it could jeopardize the business frankly um, how do you manage that concern are you just naturally a pretty calm person that isn't going to say something you regret and get people to you know demonstrate out in front of your house and spray paint it well I, you have to be intentionally calm because I do I do get upset and um, sometimes but I try not to um, express that publicly. I think it's important to stay calm. It's important to stay focused. I certainly didn't grow up thinking I was ever going to be a mayor. In fact, I had no role models as a, as a kid. Um, there were no women um, city council members or board members or or I, I don't recall even knowing of a female um, political figure. Do you think that's why they called school. it the good old days? No, I'm just they kidding. were terrible. <laughs> I, am de- I am just kidding. I, I had <laughs> to say it They were terrible. So, um, so, 
so I really didn't even cons- imagine myself doing this job until I had been on the city council for a few years. What was it that what was it that what, the day where you said, you know what, I think I'm going to move up and run for, for well, mayor? Well, like I said, I learned a lot about local government as a council member, and I really grew to appreciate how important it was. And I loved, I loved every minute of it. I loved just learning. And, and meeting people in my ward and feeling like I could um, make a difference and help people. And then the legis- the ordinances, the things, that, the policies that we were dealing with actually directly, I think, imp- helped people in Urbana. That's the whole point. You so know? you think there there is a, not that there is a difference that couldn't be made, but it's possible to make it. I, Absolutely. And I'm, I tend to be, I like to fix things and I like to build things. So, so I think um, local government is where you do both of those things. When you, looked at her, when you looked at Urbana, what did you see that needed fixing? Like as, uh, as I mentioned, the, one of the main things was our uh, financial policy approach to finances, and that's what I became most concerned about as a council member. Our, our emergency reserves were very low. We were looking at a $2.5 million structural budget deficit. We kept... as you know, we kept kicking the can down the road as far as facing these issues and problems, and we had underfunded um, police and fire pensions. We weren't putting enough money into the vehicle and equipment replacement fund, and I just saw that as leading us down a path toward, well, like the state of Illinois. Right. You know, you're, there's consequences. There's to doing consequences, and not doing and, and that's one of the things I wanted to address as mayor, and we have. So our first first few years have been focused on we've eliminated the structural deficit. We rebuilt city reserves. In fact, we've increased them, which is now what's getting us through the pandemic. Um, we restored funding to the pensions. We repaid our debt. We re, um, and we're paid down our debt. So the city itself only has got a little over $2 million debt that we're carrying, which now gives us the flexibility to invest. I want to invest more in infrastructure we're way behind on streets sidewalks streetlights storm sewer um we need to replace a couple of fire substations so there's there's public infrastructure that we need to be focused on and that's one of my goals for second term do you think you can make better decisions when you're more fiscally sound i probably again sounds like well duh yes you can and you have the flexibility um that you need and and if you're not always putting out fires, you can focus on the future. And so we built, my goal was to build a, build a strong foundation for the future. And I think we have, and now we can go from there. Is there, there. Much, much pushback from that type of agenda? No, I, we, we made a very strong case to the city council. I think we made a strong case to the public. And um, we had the numbers to show it. So, but it was hard. You know, what we had to do was reduce spending. We had to raise a, f- a few different taxes to get the sources of revenue. We had to reorganize departments. We became more efficient. We provided more online services. So we we took a we did a voluntary uh, re- separation agreement. So we 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 combination combination of all that. But it was it it required a lot of discipline and some really hard decisions but i'm very proud of what we did yeah well just to recognize what needs to be done is the, such a huge step uh, well you have that, to acknowledge that there's a problem and that was one of the things that wasn't happening so and, and that certainly is not the only city that you know that had that issue um, as you said we live in a state that has not 
come to that reckoning that, uh, or come to that conclusion that, well, it's obviously at the state level we're kicking the can down the road. So, uh, you know, uh, congratulations to you for not continuing. Well, well, we're the end of the road, so there's nowhere else to kick it. So, you know, the city. That's true in a city. You, that can get there a lot quicker than you think. Yeah, and, and the cities bear the brunt of um, everything higher. So, Can a city go into a vicious death spiral? And by that I mean, okay, well, we're just going to keep spending, 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 or we're going to get the money. We'll just keep taxing, taxing, taxing until there's a point where there's, you're going to push out, a, let's say, 5% of the people at any given moment, and you begin to you, you erode your tax base. Now the problem just got bigger, so you need to raise taxes further, which means you push out another 5 or 10 It seems to me like cities, like anything else, can go into a vicious you, death Yeah, I'm spiral. sure you could do that. And, you know, like I said, we have challenges in our community. We're, we're only a city of, like, 42,000 people. We have a huge university. Um, we're, we're mostly public sector employers, so... So we don't have the same kind of commercial or industrial tax base that larger cities do. So we have to be very careful about um, trying to grow our tax base. We, I would love to see, uh, we've got a number of programs in place now to incentivize people to build a home or buy a home in Urbana. And that's important because we have subdivisions that still aren't built right. out. And as I, one of the other things I was, when I was researching before I decided to run for mayor, it's like, why isn't Urbana growing like all the other communities right. around us? We had maybe 1% or 2% growth in population, whereas other cities were seeing, you know, especially the smaller communities like Muhammad or whatever, were right. double digits sometimes. Why um, do you think the low growth versus the other communities? Have you thought through that? Uh, part of it, I think, was the narrative around Urbana. I part of it right. was property taxes. Um, you know, our taxes are somewhat higher compared to communities around us, especially the smaller communities. But again, you get what you pay for. So we sure. have excellent fire protection. We have excellent police uh, department. We have, like I said, great schools and great parks and um, convenience to the university. And that's what I prefer to prefer to emphasize. So, so that's what I mean. One of the best thing you mentioned you long early in the conversation you mentioned the uh, the golf course. So yes. So take I me was, take me back to that. Well, that was not too long ago, but um, actually that was one of the last in person meetings we had before everything shut down last year. But it was with the university over the transition of the Stone Creek Golf Course from the Atkins family to the university. And when we had those conversations, my main I was I was thrilled that that would happen but i said you cannot take the residential lots off the tax rolls you know that would be just devastating right. so so we came to a very good you know agreement where the golf course and the related facilities would go to the university but the u of i foundation would acquire all the there's like about a hundred lots right. still undeveloped and they're in the process of selling those and actually i'm i'm from what i hear they've their, the sales have picked up yeah, considerably. I, I talked to Spencer just last week, yeah. and he said, and it, which, make, which makes yeah. perfect sense. If you yeah. Now you have, uh, it's not a mystery of whether you're going to have a golf course there or not. Right. And it's certainty. A, you needed certainty. Certainty. And we brought certainty to that situation. So I want to see sustained, sustainable growth within the city of Urbana. At the time, you talk about perception, and, and I think it's just perception and not reality, but uh, you, know how you recognize how powerful perception is, obviously. Before that deal came along, Spencer was talking about, in the Atkins group, I shouldn't just say Spencer, but uh, was talking about maybe converting it to 
oh, 20 or 30 very large lots in the city. What a wonderful thing. I was going to be one of the buyers of 10 acres or so. But the one thing my wife said, and I shouldn't put it, put it on her, but I, I felt the same way as, but it would be dangerous to go to the grocery store in Southeast Urbana. Oh, and that's not true at all. I'm not saying I, I, I prefaced it with. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. But but I will tell you this. Look, I know where every problem area is in town because I have this really weird habit. My wife thinks it's weird, and so does everybody. I listen to a police scanner throughout the night. It's it's my white noise, uh, and it's, it's fascinating. And, and when I hear, and it's and I'm not picking on Urbana because it's I'm not sure whether one's any better or worse than the other. It's a little more personal to me because I grew up on Home Street. You don't live far from there. And I'm I'm hearing these problem hot areas. I'm thinking, gosh, those are places when we were in third grade could ride our bike around yeah. with perfect, well, not perfect, it never is, uh, with, you know, with relative safety. Well, uh, there's and, no doubt times have changed since the 60s and 70s, and yeah. in, in especially in Southeast Urbana, but in all parts of the community, oh, I think. All parts. And and one of the big differences is the gun violence, and and that's an area that we just it, it's one of the most difficult things to deal with, but we have to get it because a handle on it because we're seeing it affecting ki- younger and younger yeah. kids. And it's so, obvious it's going yeah, on. So. So there's a lot to work on, and that's all related to education and poverty and housing insecurity. And I think when we start addressing some of those basic issues, we'll also address some of the crime, a lot of the crime and the violence. So I we have a lot of challenges. The, in the newspaper, one of the things you wanted to work on was, and if I if I'm getting it wrong or saying the wrong phrase, systemic racism. Yes. To, educate me on that. What what it is. Because everybody's using it, and I just not like okay, but just kind of I'm not sure everybody any everybody agrees on what it is. It's the structures that are in place that you often don't realize are in place, but that contribute to determining what direction people go. And and um, the example I've been using lately is one that you don't often think of in terms of racism, and it's not the most important one, but it's an example of how you have to start looking at every single aspect of your policy and practice. Um, And one of those is tree planting in Urbana. We actually got a grant from the Lumpkin Foundation to study um, and to evaluate how we plant trees in the city of Urbana, where we plant trees, and where we replace trees. And so if you've always had, some parts of our city have these wonderful, old, beautiful, 100-year-old oak trees. They've been there forever, and when they die, we'll plant another one in their place. But if you've never had a tree planted in your public parkway 50 or 100 years ago, you're not going to get a new one under certain policies. So you have to look at every single policy and say, why are we doing this, and is this fair to everybody so um that's that's kind of the lens now that we have to look at everything we through which we look at everything we do that and climate resilience i think we have to look at racism and climate resilience and evaluate things that we're doing you're the first person that i've heard an example out of that i wouldn't have even thought of well and that's exactly how we need to start thinking is is where you don't think of things like that where you don't even start, you have to start looking for things. And when you start looking, then you see them. Are those two of the, the, the two biggest challenges as you see it right now for not just city of Urbana, but maybe many cities? Structural racism and climate resilience, yeah, yeah. We, we can't keep doing the things the way we've been doing them. Okay, well, we have a couple minutes left. Um, 
anything else that you can tell me like that you're where you're headed from the perspective of a politician the mayor is there anything from there well, I'm headed to a general election on April 6th. Um, we just finished the primary, so it's not quite over. But um, after that, we'll have a new council seated, and um, we'll be meeting with the city council to see to de- de- develop some goals as a group, and then we'll move forward. But like I, I've said all along, we, we kind of laid it. We built the foundation first term, and there's just a lot of things I want to uh, finish and work on in my second Do you have aspirations for different political offices? No. <laughs> that took you a long time to come up with that answer. <laughs> I think being a mayor is the best political office in the world. Well, I got that sense out of Mayor Finan as well, and so there must be something you actually about can, it. You actually can get stuff done, and I like, I like I said, I like, I like to be able to check things off my list and say, yeah, we did that. And it doesn't have to move glacially at the mayoral level. Well, it, to me, it, I, my staff tells me I'm way too impatient, but. Um, it, it moves faster than at other levels, I can tell you that. Well, thank you for joining me today. This has been 52 Minutes with Mayor Diane Marlin, and I've really got, I've enjoyed getting to know you, and so now I know both mayors. So I don't know if that does me any good or makes my life worse. Well, you're welcome. now they know me. <laughs> you're welcome to come visit me anytime. Well, thank you. And, uh, and move back to Urbana. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's not an impossibility. I came real close. It had had that golf course thing worked out the way it was I, I probably was going to do that so i look at both communities now much more that they're much more similar than they are different and that's my view well anyway thanks again mayor diane marlin and we'll be back for another show of 52 minutes with paul rudy thank you remember to tune in to my other radio show paul rudy's on the money radio show right here on wdws am 1400 You can catch my On The Money radio show every second and fourth Tuesdays of each month. We cover a wide range of topics such as economic issues, how to invest your money, interest rates, retirement challenges, and mortgage issues, just to name a few. If you'd like to be on Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes with radio show or have a suggestion about people that you would like to get to know better, feel free to email me at paulrudy at rudywealth.com or send an email to talk at wdws.com. Thanks for listening.